We are uh, continuing on, and uh, I think you know already that uh, I'm just doing a, a compliment to the study. I'm not rehashing the chapter, so don't expect that. I'm just adding to it. Make sure you go and read the chapters that go with each one of these things I do. Uh, today it's 8 and 9. You, you should read chapters 8 and 9 in the book study on the church app for this one this week, and that is... Uh, God is inviting us to join with Him in what He's doing, uh, so that's what that is. And again, you need to read you need to read the material that He gives us. He goes through a lot of stuff, and I'm not going to do it. I mean, I'm in, I'm not going to rehash what is already out there. I'm just going to try to add something to it that is not in the study, but yet it pertains to that. So that's what we're looking at: joining in with what God is doing, because what God is doing is what is best for us in our life. Uh, a pastor was talking to a kind of a backslidden believer, and he was talking to him. He said, you know, the best thing that could happen to you, the best thing for you is that if you'd quit all this drinking, you'd quit all this gambling, and you'd quit all this running around. That would be the best thing for you. And the man thought for just a moment, and he said, you know, I don't think I really deserve the best. What's second best? Now, anybody want second best? We want God's best for us. You know, God wants God's best for us. You know, and that's what that is. Paying attention, looking to say, okay, what is God doing? Where is He working? How can we get involved in that? And I'm going to add something. Number one, David, David in Psalms was dealing with this issue, and he was basically saying, God, show me. I want to know. This is what he says in 143. Cause me to hear thy love and kindness in the morning. For in thee do I trust. Cause me to know thy way. You know, you ever stop and ask, I really want to know God's will. What is God's will for my life? That's a question. That's what this whole thing is. Where is God working that he wants me involved in it? That would be God's will. That's what we're looking at. Know the way where I should walk. For I lift my soul unto thee. God, will you show me? You know, you show me, you know, this is where uh, David has gone through all kind of things in his life. And he's, he's calling out to God and he says, God, show me. I want to know. Cause me to know the way so that I can walk in it. For you lift up my soul. Deliver me, O Jehovah, from mine enemies. I flee unto you to hide me. Teach me to do thy will. That's not like Jesus. Father, not my will, but thine be done. I want to do your will. For you are my God. The Spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Three times in verses 8 through 10, he talks about guidance. God, show me. Guide me. You know, I want to do what you want me to do. I want to be where you want me to be. That's what I want. Each petition is slightly a little bit different focus, but it's all the same thing. Show me the way. Where you want me, God? You know, let's preface this. If you're not going to do God's will, he's not going to show it to you. You know, he's not going to play a game. David's serious. God is serious. You know, say, I, I want to know God's will. Are you going to do it? If you're not going to do it, God knows you're not going to do it. Why do you think he's going to show you? You know, uh, that's exactly what he says. He's confused a little bit. He, wants to know, he says, God, I want to know where you want me and what you want me to be doing. That's what we're questioning here, right? God, what is your will for my life? What are you doing that you want me to be a part of it? I want to know that. That's what the whole study is about, right? It's about finding it out, 
But the second part is just as important about doing it. And you're going to find out. Are you going to do it? Well, I'm not sure yet. Then why do you think God's going to show us? He won't. But also, hence that there are unique and individual elements to what he needs guidance on. He needs it. All of us. We need to know. All of us are not the same. You know, guidance is guidance, but it's not going to be exactly the same for all of us, what he wants us to do. Teach me to do your will. It focuses entirely on God's agenda. What, you, what do you want me to do, God? Not what the church says. You know, I don't try to tell people what to do because I don't, sometimes I don't know exactly what God wants you to do. You know, I don't know what your abilities are. We're going to get back to that one of these days, even though Henry is not exactly as fond of it, and, and that is taking a spiritual gifts test. But it, is given a, it does give you a kind of a rough idea as to maybe the way you're made so that you can get involved in a ministry that would use the talents that God has already given you. And that's important that you know. You know, if you can't teach, we don't want you to be a teacher. If you can't sing, we don't want you on the stage. If you can't play, we don't want you on the stage, eh? Why? Because they're doing an injustice. You ever been there when, when the wrong people are singing? And you said, this is embarrassing. Kind of like, well, I'm not going to be political today. If you know how much I wanted to. Anyway, I'm not. Knowing and doing God's will is the very stuff of guidance. That's what it is. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. Boy, that's a big deal, isn't it? On level ground. What does that mean? Safe place for us to be. Not in the wrong place. To admit that we may trip as well as rebel. Yes. Stumble as well as stray. And always we need help. That's what he's saying. Is it possible that God can be doing something around us and we miss it? You know, in your study, he calls it out. In Elisha. Elisha's there, and the war's about to go on, and his servant is scared to death. And he says, God, open his eyes so he'll see. He doesn't even see. You know, and we're going to look in just a moment at a few verses that will help us because things can be going on around us that God is doing, and we totally miss it. Why? Because we're just not in tune. We're not, doing, we're not living in the right place to even see it. And that's exactly what these verses are going to show us, and that's what he says in several places. If you haven't read it yet, go back there and read it, because that's exactly what he's talking about in that. Jesus wept over Jerusalem as its leaders prophesied the horrific, the horrific destruction that's going to happen in AD 70. And it did happen. Jerusalem fell. And he says, if you knew this day, he said, of all people, you should know. And they're not paying any attention. They don't recognize the Messiah when he comes. If anyone should have seen it, the Jews should have seen it. Why? Because they had the Old Testament telling them, this is what's going to happen. This is where it's going to be. It just didn't come like they wanted it to. But now it's hidden from your eyes. Why? You're not looking for it. He was in their midst performing all these signs, and yet his own people, and a lot of them still don't see it. You know, that's what one of the things I've been praying in this whole Middle East crisis is that his own people would see Jesus. Because by and large, the Jewish world doesn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. You know, they don't. You know, when, when all these bombs are going off around you, you might want to stop and say, am I sure about this thing? I might want to make sure about this thing. Is this really what's right? That's the way I've been praying. You know, innocent people are going to die. I can't control that. Some of them want to get out and can't get out. God's in control. You know, I'm, I'm not worrying about that. I'm just saying that everybody over there could see through this the need to focus on God in this relationship. 
Absolutely. <clears throat> they had not developed their love relationship. You know, we talked about it in detail in our small group, and we had a couple people share about, you know, relationships and dating and those problems. And <laughs> you need to spend time with somebody to get to know them. You know, you might know their name, but you don't really know who they are till you spend time with them. You might know and say, and there's a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I believe in God, and that's all they know. They don't know anything about him, and we'll see in the next week all those chapters where God reveals himself through the Scripture and through prayer and through experience. To have a relationship with God, you have to spend time with him to get to know who he is, and he's disclosed himself to us so we can know. We don't have to guess. They, they, not, they were not interested in that. Even though they had the diligent student of the Scripture, they missed it. It's easy. You know, we can do the same thing. He condemned many of the religious leaders of his day, missing the most important part of life, and that is a relationship with him. And that's what this whole thing is about, relationship. you got to get to know him. And the only way to get to know him basically is through his word. And other believers that may be experienced in walking with him can help you but still, the only way to really know God is through the Scripture. You know, it, it, the Holy Spirit takes that and then helps us, but not just the Holy Spirit alone. It still is coming through the Scripture because that's how God revealed Himself. That's the only way you know. So when people say, we don't need the Scripture, they're on another planet. I mean, that's just, unfortunately, that's the way it is. Because you won't know anything about God unless you see what He's chosen to reveal who he is through his word. You pour over the scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them. And they testify in me. But then you don't respond. Let's hurry up and get to the, the other part. What is this? Factors important in recognizing God's activity in your life that he really wants you to join in on. You know, that's the key, right? Find out what God's doing and get in on it. You know, so we don't try to manufacture something ourselves that's not real. Number one, have a relationship with him. You know, that's it. An intimate relationship. How you do that? Number one, by studying God's word, reading his word, knowing who he is, what he's about, what he thinks, what he likes, what he doesn't like, what he demands of us. We'll see that one in just a minute. He has to open our spiritual eyes. That's what the Holy Spirit is, so that we can see, just like Elijah's serpent. There's a lot of people in church, they miss all kinds of things. Why? They don't really have a relationship with Jesus. They just kind of go through the motions. And they were guilty of that. Unless God allows us to see, then we miss it. God can be doing all kinds of things around us, and we're not attuned to it, and we just don't see it. You know, someone that you have a real close personal relationship with, when something's going on in their life, you know it. Am I right or wrong? The other people around might not, but the person who knows them real well knows something's going on. The people who have a good, intimate relationship with Jesus God through Jesus, when God is doing something, they know it. It's the same thing. And those who do not have that relationship, they don't. Well, I wish was God doing something. I said, well, look around. He's doing this and this and this. Well, how did I miss that? Because you don't know what's going on. You're not paying any attention. You don't have that relationship. That's what he means. In these two verses, where it talks about the will of God, and basically that's what we're talking about. We're talking about God wants us to join in with him, to do that, we kind of need to know what God's will is for us. Does he want us here? Does he want us here? Does he want us here? 
So these two verses in Romans, I hope, is a compliment to the whole study. And it says, I appeal, I beseech you, brethren, oh, the King James. What? By the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice. What does that mean? Living means you're alive, you're not dead. You present it as a living sacrifice. Sacrifices uh, in the Old Testament, to have a sacrifice, you killed it. So he said, nope, I'm not talking about that. Now, you may be a, a living sacrifice and then die as a martyr. You might, but that's not what he's talking about. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. There are quite a few translations in there, but basically it means you need to recognize this is an act of worship when you're doing this, okay? Do not be conformed to the world. Don't think like the world. Don't do everything the world does. Don't let it squeeze you into its mold by watching commercials that tell you you need this when you don't need that. You know, that's all that means. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. By nature, we are just like the world. That's how we're born. We're born in a fleshly, fallen nature. So by nature, we're going to lie and cheat and steal and do the things that the world does. It's controlled by Satan. Okay? He says, don't, don't, you don't have to be that way. But be transformed. How do you do that? By the renewing of your mind. You know what your mind is? Your mind is the CP unit. CP unit, central processing unit of a computer. It controls the thing. Your mind controls what you do. You know, basically, that's all he's saying. By the renewal of your mind. Now, here's, look at this. When you do that, then you're able to test and discern what God's will is for you. And in that discernment, you will see that it's good, it's acceptable, it's what God wants for you. Do you really want to know God's will? That's what he's saying. This is what it takes to know it. Do you really want to know what God's doing? This is exactly what it says. Do you really want to be able to say, I know this is God's will for me. Why? Because your mind's been transformed. It's been renewed. You know, as we'll see, I don't know if we'll get that far, but when he's talking about transformation here, he's not just talking about external, okay? You, you can do a lot of things externally that nobody else knows. Even on the inside, you're still horrible. You know, you can condition yourself and say, well, I want everybody to think good at me, so I'm, on, I'm not going to do this and this, but on the inside, you're still rotten, all right? So it doesn't mean just external. When he says, be you transformed, he says, you've got to transform first on the inside, and then that will come on the outside, because you can have an external transformation without an internal transformation. You know, it is absolutely possible. Church is full of those all across the world. You know, that's exactly what happens. The last part of it says this, the, name, the aim of the renewed mind, when your mind is renewed and is thinking in the right place, then you can see what God's will is for you, and you will attest to it. Oh, it's perfect for me. It's good. It's what God wants. And, you know, God's will might be for you to step in and teach some of these girls on Wednesday night. It better be a calling. Or it won't last. You know, that's why we don't push programs. Unless somebody has a calling by God to do something, we know it's not going to last. So w would we like to start some other things? Yep. But until God sends somebody whose will, whose God's will is that they do it, then we won't do it. Why? Because it's just a manufacturing of our own flesh, and it won't last. It won't do anything. You know, 
That's exactly what it is. Perfect example. God wills that somebody take over that responsibility of helping these girls. That's his will. Is somebody going to pay attention? Is somebody going to know what's going on? The renewing of your mind as you think through this process and you see that is God's will. That's good. That's perfect. It's glorifying to him. Same thing. That's all, that, that's all it's talking about. What is good and acceptable. And it's perfect. Why? Because when you're right in the middle of where God wants you to be doing whatever he is wanting you to do, nothing can be bad, even though you get killed doing it. Do you understand that? You might get killed doing it, but it will not be bad if that's where God wants you. So, you know, it's, it's perfect. That's where it's, that's where it's supposed to be. The two wills of God. <clears throat> Talks about two of those in the Bible. We're just going to uh, be quick. What is it? One of them is God's sovereign will by decree. You know what that means? It means Jesus was going to die. Nobody can stop it. Okay? God has some sovereign decrees when he says, this will happen, and Iran can't even stop it. No one's going to annihilate Israel. No one. That's a sovereign decree. I don't care what China says or Russia says or Iran says. It is not going to happen because God said it wasn't going to happen. So when we talk about sovereign decree, we mean you, you, God may be saying, Terry, I want you to do this. And I say, well, I'm not going to do it. He said, well, I'm going to get it done. I'll just use somebody else. That's what I did with Israel, right? Israel was supposed to be the evangelistic key to the world. That's why he said, when you go over in this land, don't marry those people. You're supposed to be different. You're going to be my sign. And they just acclimated. They just became like everybody else. So he said, I can't use you anymore right now. So I'll use the Gentiles. He said, because I'm going to get the gospel out. That's a sovereign decree. No one can change that. Okay. There's a lot of them in the Bible. You know, Daniel talks about that, right? It can't be broken. Nobody can change it. That's a sovereign decree of God's will. That's what I believe. I, you know, that's what, exactly what it says. Nothing's going to change it. Nothing. That's what Daniel says. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? You know, that's a sovereign decree. All right. Number two, this one is the will of God's command. It means he says to Terry, Terry, my will is that your life would do this. What does that mean? It might happen or it might not happen. If I'm faithful, it will happen. If I'm not faithful, it won't happen. It means there's a choice involved. So when he says, gives us a will of his command, when he says, thou shalt not, the Bible is full of whosoever. Meaning sometimes they will, sometimes they won't. Okay, I think that's what he's talking about here in this chapter uh, 12. His will is what he commands us to do. Do you do everything that you know God's commanding you to do? No. Do any of us? Unfortunately, probably not. But that's what that means. So that's what he's talking about in this verse. It is the will of God that we can disobey. We can fail to do it. That's the He commands us to do it. He wants us to do it. But it's not a sovereign decree that he's going to make us do it. Okay? So when we come along, we say, God, what is your will for me? He said, Terry, I'd really like for you to be involved with me with this. But I can say no. You know, people say it all the time. 
They know this is this. They know how many times have I had people in 25 years come to me and say, you know, God called me to do this 10 years ago and I was disobedient. I know that's God's will for my life, but I didn't do it. And they're miserable. Same thing. You know, that's what that means. That's the second part of that will. The will of command, we can choose not to do it. You know, if it's one of his decrees or it's going to get done, you just might not be the one that does it. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, love will enter into kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. Wow, that's what it says, right? Matthew 7, 21. Not all do the will of the Father. Not everyone. That's the, you know, when we're talking about finding God's will for us, the main thing is, okay, if you find it, are you going to do it? Well, I don't know yet. Well, don't expect to know what it is. You know, come on, let's be honest. Why would God waste his time showing you what his will is if he knows already you're not going to do it? I wouldn't waste my time if I was God. That's what he told Timothy. Don't waste your time on unfaithful people. Be discerning. Invest in somebody who can be counted on to do the work of the ministry. He, he, actually, the word says, invest yourself in faithful people. Why? Don't waste your, don't waste your time. Be discerning. You start investing in someone, and you see right away that they're not going to be it. Don't waste your time anymore. Cut it off. God may get them to the point later, but you don't need to waste your time doing it. You know? Why? Because not all do the will of God. That's what that is. Which of these does he mean here? I think absolutely he means not the decree of his will, but the command of his will that we will do what he wants us to do. And the only way that can happen is by the renewing of our mind. Boy, how does, that, how does that work? That's what it means. Because God does not intend for us to know most of the sovereign will ahead of time. If God told us what was going to happen in our life 10 years from now, some of us couldn't handle it. You know, we couldn't. You know, God didn't tell Abraham everything way ahead of time. He couldn't handle it. He didn't tell Moses. You, you, why? We can't handle that kind of stuff. You know, sometimes if we know what's going to happen tomorrow, we get spastic. Well, you know you're going to have a car wreck tomorrow. Well, then you wouldn't go anywhere. Right? Hello? We're already scared to death of everything. If we had a clue one time that something's going to happen. So he doesn't. He can't. He knows, but he can't show it to us. But what is it that he wants? The secret things belong to the Lord. When somebody come up and say, oh, well, I have a new word. Boy, there's a lot of that right now on the Internet since the Mideast going on. Well, I have a prophetic word. And you listen just a minute. You say, that does not coincide with the Scripture, so I'm not going to listen to you. Because the scriptures already said this and this and this and this. And some of that stuff we don't know yet. They're just speculating. Well, we know this means this. No, you don't. And again, I've been reading Revelation a lot this past, since we started this study and since uh, the Middle East. There is so much typology and, and uh, analogies. What's the word I'm trying to say? Metaphors. It is hard to figure that thing out. You know, what, what does that mean? The beast is here, and then he died, and then he rose again, and then this, and this, and this. Okay, what does all that mean? There's a whole lot in there. When people say, oh, I know this. No, they don't. They're speculating. They could be right, but probably not. Remember the late great planet Earth? Hey, anybody remember that one, Hal Lindsey? He had it all figured out. Oh, this was a helicopter, and this scorpion was this. 
Well, no. He didn't have it figured out. He sold a lot of copies, though. Remember that little book? Late Great Plans. Wasn't that the name of it? Hal Lindsey? Hello? Some of you old people, help me out. Is that right? Don't go buy the book, okay? It's not worth buying the book if, you know, don't even read it if you can get it for nothing. Don't even do that either, all right? If you want to know the future details of God's will and decree, it's going to take a crystal ball because a prophet is not going to have it. In the Old Testament, we had some of it. Now Jesus has fulfilled all that, and that will be unfolded later. You, that's not what that's going to be, all right? That's not what it is. By testing you may discern implies that we should approve of the will of God and then do it. That's the main thing. Once you know God's will, are you going to do it? Is God telling you to be involved in this ministry? Are you going to do it? That's the big thing. It's one thing to know. The next thing is we do it. That's what Ephesians is about. You remember what he says? He says what? Give them the wisdom to handle the knowledge correctly. You can know a lot of stuff, but if you don't have enough wisdom to how to appropriate it and how it works, then what good is it? You know, part of that is this. We live now in 2023. The, the things we're reading about that Jesus spoke of in the first century has to be sifted through. The principle is still there, but how it works out in our day-to-day -day life in 2023 is going to be a little bit different. For example, we don't offer lambs for sacrifice, do we? Okay, how, how's that got to, how are you going to do that? You've got to think through that. When, when you're thinking through this whole process, there needs to be some ability to, by the God's Word and by the Holy Spirit, to help us see, okay, this is how this plays out. And, you know, you can't do it if you're on your phone all the time. You know, you can't. You've got, you got to study and you've got to think and you've got to analyze it and say, okay, how does this work out now? What does this mean now exactly? It doesn't mean it, the principle will always be there, but how are you going to flesh it out? And, you know, that's a little bit different. They weren't driving cars in uh, Galilee when Jesus was walking around, you know. How does that work itself out? By testing, you can discern that we can approve this is God's will. It's good. I'm going to go with it. That's it. That's a big thing. Knowing it. Do it. The goal of the verse is for us to discern the revealed will of God and then act on it. Act on it. How much of, if we already did half of what we already know, Boy, it would be a different world, wouldn't it? Oh, I know to do this. I'm not doing that. But I want to learn something new. Well, act on what you know already. How about doing that one? Stages of knowing and doing the revealed will. <clears throat> there are those, you know. All of them required a renewed mind. We were born with a fallen mind. It's called depraved. We have a sinful mind. By our nature, we'll steal, we'll kill, we'll lie. It's just our nature. You know, some are worse than others because their personality is a little bit different, but that is our nature. We're born with a fallen nature, all of us, even the preacher. Can you believe that? Even the pope. Even the president. I know you can't hardly believe that, surely. The Holy Spirit gives discernment. Uses God's word. First, God's will of command is revealed in the scripture solely. You don't go to some card reader.
tell me what God's will is for me. They're not going to tell you. They're going to tell you what you want to hear. They'll give you part of the message and you've got to come back. Get the rest of it right. They ain't going to tell you everything the first trip. What, then, they won't, then you won't get any more money, right? Ain't the way that works. God's Word. There are no new revelations. Okay? We've been talking about that quite a bit. Once Jesus came, the canon was closed. There are no new revelations. There's a process of trying to understand how that revelation fleshes out now compared to what it was, some of them in the Old Testament or even in Jesus' day, but there's nothing brand new. We just have to appropriate it and see how it works itself out. The renewed mind is that we can understand what God's Word says and how it applies to us so that we can see how God wants us to be involved with Him in the work that He's doing. It's the whole process, okay? Without the renewed mind, we'll distort the Scripture, the scripture and we'll find some way for it to tell us we can do what we want to do. Ain't that what? Ain't that what we like? Well, I don't like what you're saying. I'm going to go to over here to this other church because they don't believe that way. You're just going to find somebody to, you know, that's what old Vance Havner said. We gravitate to what learners are saying. We end up where we belong. If it's, your, if it's your ideology that you want to find somebody to approve the way you're living your life, you'll find somebody to help you approve of the way you're living your life, even though it's total, total contradiction to what Scripture says. Isn't it right? That's what we do. You know, people don't want to come to this church. Well, we don't agree. Well, why don't you agree with us? It might not be the truth. It just means the manner in which things are unfolded out. We don't do things the same way everybody else does. But when you say, oh, no, I don't believe what you believe, then that's a whole different story. That's exactly what it is. To understand what the Scripture says about what, and that's why we need one another. Why? Because if I'm by myself, I'll start to figure out some way to validate whatever I want to do. If I don't have somebody over here telling me, Terry, now, wait a minute, you know that ain't right. You just pick this one little thing out, and it says, oh, yeah, but you, you go through the whole Scripture and find it. You know that's not right. So I'm going to stay away from you if you're going to tell me what I'm doing is wrong. If I'm insisting on doing what is wrong. Hello? Ain't it right? That's what we do. It's dangerous. We have to be careful. God's authoritative will of the command is found only in the Bible. That's where it is. Why? Because we'll see next week in all those chapters, God discloses himself through the scripture mainly that's it he says the scripture are inspired and made the christian competent equipped for every good work you want to find out what god's doing this is his intent this is what he wants to do how does it work itself out the second stage of god's will of command is our application of the biblical truth to new situations you know how how do we handle homosexuals how do we handle all this gender change there's principles in the scripture about that Everybody's trying to twist it around to no end, but the Scripture is pretty plain. In the Old Testament, when they found somebody doing that, what did they do? They killed them because they didn't want it to spread. <laughs> oh, no, that's not what it says. That's what it says. Okay? In the Old Testament. Well, the New Testament's not the same. Well, what does Romans chapter 1 say? They left the natural use for the woman and the man. What do you think that is? You don't think that's what that means? That's exactly what that means. And God said, and he gave them over to a depraved mind. Means when they get this far, the chance of them ever getting it straight again 
is very slim. Can they? They can. But once you get that point, what you've just done is you've totally done away with God's image. He made in his image male and female. When you mess that one up, you've just thrown God away. That's why it's so detrimental when people get that far. That's why, it's, that's why we need to tell them the truth. We need to love them, but we need to tell them the truth. You don't have to be this way. Oh, it's a choice. Well, I don't have a choice. I guarantee you, you have a choice. Huh? Hello? You know, I saw last night, I forgot where the article was on, on one of the Christian things where, you know, they're talking about all these crazy surgeries these doctors are doing, all these kids trying to give them gender changes when there are no research papers whatsoever that they're following anything about it. You say, why? Because nobody's ever done this crazy stuff before. Even Rome, as despicable as they were, you say, well, they just couldn't do it. You can do all kind of crazy stuff. You know, you do understand that, right? We don't have any record of anybody wanting the gender change before. Am I missing that somewhere, Dallas? I don't think we do. It's crazy. <laughs> to the situation. So how do we do that? You got to think a little bit. Got to study a little bit. How does that work? It does not tell you, you know, God didn't write it up there in the sky. You need to marry Debbie. You know? Do I think it's God's will for me to marry Debbie? Yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't just say that. It doesn't tell you what cereal to buy. It doesn't do that. You've got to think a little bit. Does he want us to be healthy? Yeah. So that might say, okay, but I probably don't need this one or that one or do this or that. But, you know, you've got to think through some of this stuff. And understanding God's will is he gives you a principle to which you apply, but then you need to think about it a little bit. You know, that, that's what the whole thing is about. He don't tell you what cell phone to buy. He probably say don't have a cell phone. If, he had, if, if we really knew what he was thinking, you know, wouldn't it be an easier world? You all remember when we didn't have somebody calling us every minute? What a glorious thing it was. And then they fuss at you because you don't answer it. I remember one time, North Carolina, we were eating lunch. Dinner. We called it dinner. The noon meal. Phone was ringing off the wall, and I, we were eating, so I didn't answer it. Well, in just a few seconds, the door, somebody knocking on the door. He said, you didn't hear your phone ringing? I said, yeah, I was eating. I'm not going to answer it while I'm eating. He got coming plum mad because I didn't answer the phone while I was eating. This is an invasion of our privacy. So don't get mad if I don't always answer the phone. Leave me a message if it's that important. And if I can figure out how to get my messages. <laughs> that's a whole other world too, isn't it? Yeah. A couple times in the last two weeks, people called me and said, well, I called you and I went to that recent, you know, on your phone it says recent. Because, because my cell phone is hard to get the messages, I don't just go to voicemail. You say, well, it shouldn't be that hard. I know. I know it shouldn't be that hard. People shouldn't be crazy either, but they are. <laughs> so I look at it, and I tap it, and it says recent. And then if it's people that I know, I'll call them right back. And this person said, well, I'll call you. And I'm looking, and I said, it ain't on my phone. Two times this has happened. Some of them kind of got mad. I said, well, I'm sorry. I didn't see it. It didn't show up on the phone, whatever the reason. It doesn't tell you that. you got to think a little bit. What is necessary is that we have a renewed mind that is so shaped by what God's Word says. I don't care what Google says. I don't care what Hollywood says. 
I don't care what water rum is. Lord, I don't care what WMAZ says. You know, that's what that means. Our baseline is what the scripture says. That's how we have a renewed mind. We're thinking the right way because that. It's renewing our mind. You're putting in your mind the things of God. So that's how you can understand what his will is for us. If you don't have that in your mind, you will never see it. Well, I want to know God's will. When's the last time you read your Bible? Don't you love our new speaker of the house? If, if you're a liberal, you don't. But you remember what on Hannity? Hannity asked him, what's your worldview? And he said, go to your shelf and take your Bible off the shelf. That's my worldview. That's what he said. The liberals already hate him. Why? Because that's what's guiding him. You know? We got to quit. Uh, Danny put all these notes up. These are not the notes that you have back there on the paper. They're different. There's a lot more on here that we're not going to get to finish. But the main thing is, if you really want to know God's will, he'll show it to you. If you're going to do it. And if you want to put a little work in figuring out what it is, you, you can do a lot of things. But there may be a few things that God really wants you to focus on. And remember this. It might have been God's will for you to be in that ministry 10 years ago, but it might not be there now. You know, as you get older and you change and your abilities change, His will for you might change in the places that you need to be serving. Just because you served there 10 years ago or 40 years ago doesn't necessarily mean that's still where God's will wants you to be. So you got to be in tune to that because we all change some, right? We become better in some areas than we were used to be, so it might change. It's not always the same. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you love us, that you want to use us, that you want us to be involved in your work for your glory. Lord, help us pay the price to study your word, to seek your word through the Holy Spirit so we can see what you're doing and how you want us to be involved so that you'll be glorified. Thank you for loving us that much. In Jesus' name, amen.